everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gormy. I'm glad you're with us listening today. With me, I have Sean Harvey today. And Sean has a really interesting story to share. And not only an interesting story to share, but I know he, he's doing some new things right now that I'm, I'm interested in diving in to talk to him about. But Sean has lost over 200 pounds and has a lot to talk to when it comes to um, how he did that and what he's doing now. So, Sean, how are you doing today? I'm good, Gourmet. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Definitely, definitely. I'm really glad to have you with us. And I would love to get us right into it and start by asking, Sean, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Yeah, man, great question. Uh, well, as a, uh, a longtime guy who uh, classified himself as a, as a fat guy, um, that for sure qualifies me, um, I would think. Um, I, you know, grew up a uh, pretty chubby kid, man. Um, spent most of my life uh, kind of in the husky clothes and then the big and tall as I got older. So, um, yeah, growing up, I uh, was a big fan of buffets and uh, sort of our family growing up, actually, we were, um, we did a lot of vacations, we did a lot of, um, you know, traveling and then and just eat, going out to eat. And, and I remember specifically, you know, just really loving all of those times we'd go to the buffets and sort of compete a little bit on uh, on how much we could eat. And, and uh, my dad would actually uh, he loves telling stories of how we shut, seems like we shut down places and stuff growing up. And so food was always a really big part of like celebration and good times. And so, um, uh, I, uh, began to use that as uh, a tool to kind of keep me feeling good, even when things were not going well and, and, uh, ballooned up to the, to the top end weight that, uh, I started out my keto journey on. So, which was about 503 pounds. That's wild, man. And were other members of your family big too, or were you always the, the biggest person in your immediate family? Yeah, good question too. Um, growing up, uh, I was sort of the biggest kid. Um, my younger brother, I have a younger brother named Troy, who uh, is a personal trainer. So he's built and looks like Thor um, or, you know, something, you know, Troy from the movie Troy <laughs> or uh, you know, Brad Pitt's character, uh, Achilles from uh, Right, from right. The movie Troy, so that was always fun. Um, and uh, and then my youngest brother, uh, he's he's always been. I think he struggled a little bit like I did, um, like that. And then our dad, um, but no one has ever really gotten as big as I have, and, and spent the majority of their life at the size that I spent, um, and um, whatnot. But uh, I think that yeah, as a family, that's outside of Troy, most of us struggled a little bit with with weight. Which, which I think makes sense. Uh, a lot of times, even if there's one person, like I was always the biggest person in my family, but I wasn't the only person that struggled with their weight. It was something that, you know, I think other people dealt with to a different extent. Um, you know, those those common habits and customs spread right. around really easily. So, so Sean, Sean you, you talked about your, your getting to your heaviest was 503. Before then, as you were growing up and, and be, you know, entering adulthood were you dieting were you was it something you just never paid attention to like where where was your head at with that throughout the years yeah um so i i was always a little bit soft uh, around the middle but i played sports uh, sports were a big thing in our home um and uh you know I, I played football i played basketball i played baseball i did a little bit of wrestling um for a time and 
it sort of masked, I think, maybe the bigger issues I was having with food and uh, that, that that need to eat um, because I could always, you know, I could always sort of hide behind the fact that I was super active as a kid um, and hide behind, you know, the the I could hide sort of the addiction to food behind this need to bulk up or, you know, we have team dinners where we'd always, you know, want to carb load before a big game or, you know, all these different things. I look back now and realize, you know, we're, we're just masking the issue for me. So I didn't really know that I had a problem until I stopped playing uh, sports. And uh, when I stopped playing sports, I just couldn't stop eating. And, um, and so I systematically just continued to grow and grow and grow in size. And, and, from a diet standpoint, it wasn't so much that, uh, you know, food at home was, was unhealthy or anything like that. We certainly had our unhealthy stuff, uh, for sure. But it just, the, the quantities with, with which we ate food, um, I didn't ever understand a, a, a portion size. Um, and, uh, I think that was a big problem. So when I would do these diets and I, you know, I've done, I went through and did diets, you know, for, most of my life in all the off seasons. And after I was done playing, I tried all the things, Nutra system, South beach. Uh, I tried, uh, Metafast, which is now take shape for life. I tried, uh, LA weight loss. I, you know, I did the grapefruit diet. I did the Atkins. I did all these different things and I would do them for a time and have some success. But then, um, I would treat it like, all right, cool. I got, I made a little bit of progress. Now I can either reward myself or I can go back to the way I was eating before. And so ultimately, they were just little blips. Uh, if you, if I were to graph out the way I, you know, on a, on an Excel spreadsheet or something, the way I gained weight over the year, there'd just be these little, these little blips that dips down followed by, you know, pretty steep climbs back up to, um, previous weights and then, and then, uh, extended above beyond that. So. And, and you're reaching over 500 pounds. Was that some, was there an incident that, that caused you to realize you needed to make a radical change? Was it more a combination of everything finally adding up? Cause you talked about, you know, a food addiction and having real kind of issues with eating. Like had they come to the surface really at that point or, cause I know like for me, you know, even my first round of, of major dieting, like I dieted a lot, like in short spurts, but my first major dieting. I wasn't paying attention to that mental side of things at all. It was just more I knew I needed to lose weight because I wanted to get work. Um, where where was right. your head at when you when when you hit five oh three? Like, were you in a place of I know I have a problem, or was it more I have a weight problem? Yeah, no, good question. So our, actually, our stories are, are a little bit uh, similar in this way. Like, I, I had reached actually about four seventy. This was back in I want to say two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Um, and I had gone to a sales conference, uh, for the company I was working for. It was the first time I'd been on a plane in a really long time. And I had to, I had to get two seats and I had, um, you know, all this kind of, you know, all these extra accommodations, which were sort of the first time I was really faced with the embarrassment of it, uh, in a, in a really public setting. Um, and, uh, where all my friends were there and trying to explain why I had two seats and someone wanted to come sit next to me or whatever. I just sort of a, like just a, a galvanizing moment of like, Oh, this really sucks. And uh, I mean, I knew I was big, like you can't be 470 and not know you're big, right? You're in four X, five X, you know, six X clothes. Like you can't, you know, you can't av avoid that. But I, I always just sort of thought that, I, you know, I'll be able to figure this out. It'll be, you know, at some point I'll, you know, be able to lose the weight. And then I got home 
from that trip and my wife, we had a one, our daughter, Scarlett, who's 11 now. She was one at the time. And I remember uh, my wife sort of, you know, pleading with me when I got back and not knowing what to do. Cause you know, we had talked about, again, I'd already started the, trying the different diets and all that kind of stuff and not having any sustained success. Um, and, uh, she, she was like, look, I know you want to have more kids, but I'm, we're not going to have any more kids unless you get this thing squared away. I don't want, you know, we've already got one kid that's likely going to lose their father way too early. And so, uh, I don't want to subject another kid to that. And um, that was a big motivator for me because, one, I always wanted to be a, a great dad. And so we are, I had a, a beautiful daughter and, and a wonderful, amazing daughter. And I, and I wanted to have more kids. And so at that point, I was like, all right, I got to do something. And so I tried a lot of different things um, and found a, a program in clean eating that uh, really worked for me. Um, but and so I actually had lost 160-ish pounds doing that. Oh, so wow. I was down to like 307 was the lowest I got at that point. But you mentioned a key thing where uh, this last time for you, you started working on the mental, emotional side of it. I hadn't done that. I, I recognized actually at that point when I was going through that, I had an addiction, but I was unwilling to accept it as something that I was, that was, I couldn't get rid of. Like I didn't make the connection that most folks make when you have an addiction, when you go to AA or you go to NA or, or any of these different, um, group meetings for folks who have addictions, I never connected it that it was essentially this, the same deal where this was going to be something that if I didn't address, it would always haunt me. And I kind of thought, ah, it's cool, man. Once I get, once I get to the weight that I want to be at and look the way I want to look, everything else will be fine. I won't have these emotional problems. I won't have these stressors or any of that stuff, which couldn't be further from the truth. And, and so getting all the way down to where it's close to where I um, close to 300, I'd done a sprint triathlon. I was feeling really good. And then the first real sign of trouble happened. I you know, tore my, tore my calf muscle. Uh, and then my wife had a really traumatic delivery of our second, second child, our son, Grayson, who's uh, seven now. And, uh, sure enough, I went right back to the same coping mechanism and ballooned up beyond where I was before to hit that 503 mark. And I actually think, uh, I probably hit a little bit higher than that. Cause when I weighed in at five Oh three, it already sort of started to change a little bit of my habits. And so, uh, it's possible that I was actually even a little bit higher than five Oh three, but that's where I weighed in at. So. And what was it like for you? Because I know, you know, I've talked about my experience, my regain experience. Like what was it like for you to have that be happening to, to kind of get down as low as you did and then to feel it go away? Cause I think there's a lot of people out there that go through that. And don't don't really kind of realize that other people share that experience. And I think there's also people listening that say, okay, I get it. Regain 20 pounds, regain 30 pounds and put the brakes on. But, you know, putting on another 200 pounds, like what what was that like for you mentally? Devastating. I mean, it was soul crushing. <laughs> um, and at that 503 pound mark and plus, you know, I I'd given up. Uh, I'd sort of resigned to the fact that. I was going to have a short life and I couldn't do anything about this. I, I didn't have the, I didn't feel like I could muster the energy to sort of reclimb that mountain. You know, I, I, I kind of looked at it and I've talked about this in, in some of my posts and on different um, interviews and stuff where I sort of looked at this problem I had is like Mount Everest, man. It was this massive thing. And when you're standing at the bottom of it, all I could think about is how much, how hard it would be to get to the top of that mountain. And 
And so it was just defeating. And so I just sort of resigned to the fact that this was it, man. And I was going to live a short, pretty uneventful, unspectacular, uninspired life. And my kids would, and my wife would ultimately have to move on at some point. So, which is, you know, it's a pretty dark place to be actually. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, oh, to- so, completely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've shared that I was, I, I wrote a letter to my family in case I didn't wake up in the morning, you know, yeah. that yeah. I, that I kept on my bed. Like I, it's, it's an incredibly dark place to exist in when you feel so powerless in the face of that addiction that you resign yourself to the fact that, well, this is, this is going to kill me at some point. Like I don't, I, I, I don't. And it's almost like, I know for me, and I don't know if it was similar for you. Like, it's not as if, not as if I say I'm, I'm completely powerless here, but more, I know I don't, I don't have the strength right now to fight this. Like, it's almost like it's like you're saying, it's like trying to, I've, I've described it before as like trying to move a mountain with a teaspoon. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you, you see, you know what the problem is. You see the problem, you see the issues and the challenges and all the pieces that are involved. And you don't just, you just don't have the tools and the, the know-how in that moment uh, to see that, you know, it is possible. So you again, think it's, you just have to put your shoulder into it and try to push at that mountain with your shoulder down low. And, you know, you know, that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's, it's interesting too, because the hard thing, anyone who's got issues, addiction or different problems, like trying to, trying to change that, trying to reverse direction on something in and of itself is exceedingly difficult. Our bodies are very, very designed to maintain, right? Maintain whatever your normal is. So to try and do anything in, in you know, 180 direction is difficult. Um, but when you're, and this isn't to, to qualify and say this is harder than any other things, but in this particular case with obesity, especially super morbid obesity, which is what, you know, what I was dealing with and what you were dealing with and, and um, whatnot, there's sort of a, it's a, it's a really defeating sort of feeling because, you know, if you look at it, like you look at a different addiction, if you, if you're sober for 30 days or you're sober for 90 days from alcohol, you can sort of begin to get some semblance of, I look all right. I'm normal. People don't necessarily know how you feel or how you look or what you're struggling with just to look at you. Um, and there's so much shame around being obese because the assumptions you make that about what people are thinking about you, the actual things that people may be thinking about you or saying sort of the fat jokes that are all out there, all those things like pile up. And even when you're doing well and you're like, I mean, I've lost 20 pounds. And when you're 500 pounds, when you, when you lost 20, that's amazing, but you're still 480 and nobody could tell the difference. And so that was super difficult um, to deal with and, and just the energy and mental fortitude that I knew it would take. I just didn't have it. And so similarly, I didn't write a letter. Um, I kind of wish I did though. Cause I think that would be interesting to just to, to get back into the mind of that person, um, and understand what I was thinking. But I, you know, I, I hugged my kids tight and I prayed, you know, I, I prayed for my, my children that, um, on an, on a nightly basis that if I didn't wake up, if this was the last night for me, that they would remember the good times and that my death would not um, haunt them for the rest of their lives, that they would be as impacted as little as possible from the negative side of losing me and just be able to move forward with the positive. And, and for my wife specifically, um, I, I couldn't give her, I wasn't giving her 
what she needed as a, from a, as a husband. And so my prayer was that she would move on fast and she would find somebody that would uh, take care of her and, and provide, you know, provide the life. And from a, just from a husband wife relational standpoint, that just was not possible. At least it didn't feel possible for me, um, which is pretty dark. And it was very like pragmatic, a uh, very pragmatic approach. I wanted to make sure that I had said those things and prayed those things because I was pretty confident that it was going to end. And, you know, it's none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, but I certainly was, you know, quadrupling, quintupling the odds that I wasn't going to get tomorrow. Right. So. Right. It's not, it's, it's not like an unforeseen accident is coming when you're 500 pounds. Right. You yeah. know, no one, no one, no one, no one looks at someone that that's, that's that big. I mean, but let's just be realistic. We, you know, when someone who's 500 pounds has a heart attack, no one says, did anyone see this coming? Right. You know, like there's, there's no, there's no shock and awe. Like, you know, someone who's, you know, you know, 35 years old and, and not overweight has a heart attack. It's, it's a complete devastating out of nowhere blow. But, you know, when it's someone who was the size that we were um, and it happens, it's not, it's the same way I think when someone that size gets, you know, diagnosed with diabetes or some other metabolic disorder, like, okay, right. yeah, we know that that was going to, we know that that was coming for you. We know that that was happening. And I think you hit on something really interesting because I, I, it's something that I've thought about a lot is like, I get the question from people and I'm sure you do too, is like, how do you get yourself mentally ready? And I, I'm not trying to jump ahead too far, but I want to hit on a point that you made, like, get yourself mentally ready to kind of tackle such a long journey because mm -hmm. you know you know when you start at 500 pounds you can be you can get to 400 pounds and be psyched that you've lost 100 pounds right like, that's an amazing accomplishment and then you walk into a room of people who don't know you and they just see a 400 pound guy and they assume everything you know they assume every that your 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 behavior is just as bad as the person you were when you were 500 pounds like that that happened to me when i was hospitalized i I was in the hospital at 350 pounds, but I was down from near 500, but they, these doctors didn't know me. So every new doctor and nurse that came in would say, well, what kind of mobility aids are you using at home? And what kind of oxygen do you use? And how much insulin do you take? And I'm like, I'm none of those things. I'm like, and I literally would have to say every day, I go to the gym five days a week at 430 in the morning. Like I get up. You know, I've lost and I, I used to I, I put the background on my phone to be a before picture so I could easily pick it up and be like, this was me six months ago. Like, uh, it's interesting, don't please, you know, because it would literally it happened like the first four days, every new person that came in and finally word got around, you know, and it changed like I became known as the keto guy in the hospital. But yeah, it was it was initially like very like every time. And I realized so I, when I get that question now from people who are like, you know, how do I, how do I deal with, you know, I'm going to lose, you know, 150 pounds and still not be anywhere near where I want to get to. So it's just, yeah, it's, it is, it is definitely easy to see how someone can say, I know what, I know I need to do something, but I just don't think I have the energy in me to do it, especially when you're that big and you're eating that way and you're, you're living mm -hmm. that life. Like, it's not like you're. It's not like you're a boundless ball of energy waiting to, to <laughs> explode in any direction. Like you're looking for, you know, how soon can you get to bed or how soon can you get in touch with the couch? Like it's, it's a very right. different place to be. Right. So, so Sean, you, you hit 503 pounds. 
what what happened then? What changed? Yeah, I think um, uh, it's for me um, sort of a you know a tough way to get jump started. But I, I had a friend of mine pass away from cancer, and um, he was a friend of mine from high school. Uh, we had sort of lost touch to a degree. I mean, I'd, you know, would see things from him on Facebook or whatever, um, but I hadn't really been in contact with him. This is a guy that you know most of my childhood, you know. Uh, like there's not a lot of, there's not, I don't have a lot of great memories in childhood that don't have this guy in it or that weren't at his house or weren't on a team that he and I were on together, uh, et cetera. Just a good, really good dude, uh, a good friend, you know, good friend, good guy to be around. And, and he passed away uh, from cancer. And I found out on Facebook, I didn't even know he was sick. Um, and it was jarring. I mean, obviously for me, grief, you know, the grief of losing somebody that has been a big part of your life is, is, um, is difficult to deal with. And then for me, the shame and the guilt of the fact that I hadn't been part of his life, not because, I mean, certainly that, you know, time happens, right? Life happens, wife, kids, family, friends, all that kind of stuff, job, like it, it can set, it can spread out the times that, you know, between when friends see each other, hang out. But this wasn't that case, man. Like it was, it was because I was living at home because I didn't want to be seen because you know, I wanted to be invisible and, uh, I didn't, so I didn't know that he was sick and I, how could I have, because I wasn't around. And so he died. And then on top of that, he was a healthy dude. Like he was, this is a guy that could do anything he wanted on a baseball field. Um, tremendous athlete, you know, and he was, he had, he had had a young family. He had a son that was uh, pretty young, a couple years old. And it just struck me as such a, it's, and anyone's death is a tragedy, but I'm like, man, this is guy, this guy did a lot of things correct. And he was taken for something he couldn't have, didn't have control over. Um, and then there's me. Well, I could die from cancer too, right? Like if he is exposed to it, I could be exposed to it. And I am quadrupling my odds by, um, by not doing anything about this food thing, this weight and all this kind of stuff. And, and seeing his wife and seeing his son grieve um, was hard. Hard to swallow knowing that that was what I was going to leave behind too. Um, and I was choosing it, you know, I mean, as you can say with any addiction that there is a, a there's a modicum of choice that's removed because you're chemically, your, your brain chemically is altered. And so you're sort of, it's a disease. You lose control to a degree, but we always have a choice um, to take a step in a different direction. And I was choosing not to. And so that was very sobering. Um, and I just was like, I got to do something. And so what I had done every other time in my life, and I'm 40 now. So for the majority of my life, I had reached for the next diet. What was the thing that was being advertised the most on TV? What was the magic pill that was going to solve this problem for me? If I could just lose 50 pounds, if I could just lose a hundred pounds, what was that thing that was going to do it? And, and it always was empty because it only ever focused on this physical end goal. And, um, this time I at least was wise enough to, to realize that I couldn't do this with just a physical approach. So, um, I went and went to my church and I talked to my pastor and was like, look, man, I got problems and, uh, I don't know what to do about it. And I've tried everything, but I've never approached this from a spiritual, mental, emotional side and I need your help. And so he, he pointed me in the direction of Brene Brown, um, and her podcast or her Ted talk on shame and vulnerability. Um, and then he's pointing me to a guy who did a lot of work in breaking down strongholds, addictions, things like that through, 
through living in freedom um, through uh, through Jesus, frankly. And and we sat together for about four or five hours, and we went through and uh, like addressed so many different issues, um, provided forgiveness for folks um, that uh, that had you know that I was holding on to. You know, in some anything, any amount of anger, guilt, frustration, went through a process of forgiveness there, and, and in the process of forgiving myself, and, and in each case, also kind of sort of repenting from those behaviors, and and um, repenting in the sense of turning 180 degrees away from um, those activities, and and uh, and then in that process, it was I was very, I just felt very delivered, um, and I felt hope for the first time in a really long time uh, that I could do this, and I remember driving home that night, uh, feeling for the first time, like I wasn't trying to score, you know, like, I don't know if you can relate to this. You probably can where your mind is super occupied with like these thoughts of how do I get the next meal? Where are my opportunities? Because I can't have my wife find out. I don't want my family to find out. What can I do? So I would, my mind would always be working. Like what way can I go home where I can get the thing that I want and eat it and be able to dispose of it before I get home? And so that was, I left his place. It was the first time I didn't want to do that. And I was like, oh my God, I, maybe I can do this. And so I started working hardcore on, on digging in on sort of the mental and emotional issues. You know, why was I eating? What happened? What do I need to deal with? All that kind of stuff. And then about two years of that, I finally got to the place where I was like, I'm ready to do something. And someone told me I should start a, an Instagram page and I should document it. A friend of mine, another friend of mine, um, she was like, "Hey, let let's do this keto thing." And I was like, "Okay." And she's a she's a nutrition, a, you know, holistic nutritionist, and and uh, I was like, "Cool, let's let's do it." And then it was like uh, without with, without the with, with new coping skills, you know, with new tools to be able to deal with the emotions and deal with the the difficulties of life and of my story and all the things that would trigger me to eat before I had better tools to deal with them. And this, I had a commitment to being radically honest about them. So when I was struggling, I told people about it right away. I shared it on Instagram, um, et cetera. And it, it just kind of snowballed. And all of a sudden it was just this thing that was moving in the right direction that, um, just kept going. So. Uh, that's wildly, I think that's wildly powerful the way that you identified that you, you not only you, cause I think the, the common approach is to say, okay, what do I first need to change about what I'm eating? Like, and, and, and to kind of ignore that, that emotional, spiritual side of things. And I think instead you, it sounds like you kind of dove head first into that area, which, you know, like you, you like, and and that's one of the things. Like one of the things that, for the listeners to know, I asked Sean to write a short bio to kind of give me a little bit of background before we talked, just so I could see if there's anything, any pieces that I was missing. And you you wrote the words radical honesty um, in your in your bio. An intense commitment to radical honesty is the exact way that you phrased it. And I I think there's that's something that I one I wanted to ask what that meant to you. And so to hear like you. You, you already volunteered that, which is great, um, because I, I think that for me, you know, is, is a defining moment of what changed for me this time around. And I think it makes a lot of sense when you're saying it's like it's not about just saying that every step is great and every every step is handled well and, and every day is perfect. But, you know, being honest that 
those challenges do still exist and that you're finding ways to adapt to them and, and cope with them and not just let them take over again and not let them be the most powerful defining things in your life. Right. Yeah. And I think it's what's cool about it is I think it's really applicable to life in general. You know, even out, even outside of an addiction, I think, I don't know if I, I can't speak for other for cultures outside of the United States, but I certainly get the sense in our country here that it's not, you're not encouraged to be real. Um, you're sort of encouraged to curate your life. Um, and whether that's, and a lot of people want to blame social media and say that it's social media, and all, but it's not like even before social media, we were always trying to put our best foot forward. There's a reason why parents, you know, my parents would do a mad dash to clean the house before company was over. Right? Like we've been doing this for, forever. We, we always want to try and present this, this more picturesque, perfect looking existence. You know, like if mom and dad were fighting, we got to make up and put our best foot forward, be a united front, like all of these different things. And I, I think what it's done um, over time is create a lot of issues that people don't talk about. So then somebody commits suicide. You're like, what the hell happened? But then if you look at their life, if you could actually break into it and see, there's just all these different things that stacked up and stacked up. And Nobody knew it, but had they had the freedom and felt the confidence to share those things, um, you know, who knows? Maybe things would be different. And I think, in certainly for men, um, you know, we're told to rub some dirt on it, you know, brush it off, stiff upper lip. Men don't cry, you know. There's no crying in baseball, all of that kind of stuff. Like, but the reality is, like, those are emotions that are real. And just because we say that we don't do them doesn't mean we don't have them. And if we're not talking about them, they just stack on stack and stack on top of each other. And then you have alcoholism, you have cocaine addiction, drug addiction, porn addiction, food addiction. I mean, like, the list and list just goes on and on. So I, we got to stop that stuff. And radical honesty, I think, is, is uh, got to be part of how we all heal. Uh, I, I agree completely. It's one of the, one of the reasons why this this podcast is the fat guy forum is because i feel like there is a lack of men talking about the issues that come around you know having weight weight problems specifically obviously but there's a lot that goes into that you know for every person it's different and i i want to be able to bring the stories forward that people can talk about and and allow someone else to to empathize and sympathize but also really kind of see themselves so they realize that they're not alone because i think that's really important i think sometimes it's really easy as men to get into this place of where you've been you've been put into this curated environment to such a, a place that you can't reach out and connect to someone else you don't know that they're going through the same things you don't know that they've experienced the same things especially some of the things that specifically come from being 500 pounds and 400 pounds like there's you know, a lot of experience, there's some down and dirty things that happen when your body's that big that mm -hmm. guys think they're, they're the only ones that it's happening to. And, you know, I, I went into some of those details in an earlier episode of this show and some other guys on the show have as well. And I always get DMs of guys that are like, I thought I was the only one that had that problem. I thought I was the only one that dealt with that. And yeah. it's like, no, you're not like, and that's, that's right. why we need to like, we need to keep those opening those doors. And I, that's why I think it's admirable, like that you're you were willing to to take that step and put yourself out there like that and be radically honest with your journey. Like, what has that been like for you? Like, what has it been like when you share those, the good times and the bad times? And what, what is it, how have people responded to that from you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think by and large, um, well, for me, it's been great, right? Because it's funny, my wife and I were talking last night with uh, some friends in our uh, life group from our church, and, and um, we were talking about, uh, in, in this particular group, it's, it's, all, it's men and women, couples who all have all struggle with different addictions, whether, you know, there's a couple guys in there that are foodies, like me, you know, like us, and a couple of folks who are dealing with, with alcoholism and other, you know, other, you know, addictions. And so we were sort of talking through the importance of our story. Um, and not just from the sense that it isn't the, like the more that we tell our story, the more people hopefully can identify with it and realize they're not alone, right? And find some semblance of community and, and encouragement uh, and hope, but also that um, when we're telling our story, there's a bit of keeping it in the light and not allowing it because like addictions, um, they, they fester and they grow in secrecy and in the dark. And, and so like that process of telling a story keeps you accountable to what you're doing, good or bad. So for me, very, very cathartic to, to share all the stuff that I'd kept inside for so long, but also strategically speaking, very, 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 very helpful for maintaining, um, my recovery, if that makes sense. Um, so that's been very cool. And then the response has been, by and large, very positive. I do occasionally, you know, depending on the post. I mean, I, you know, I've had some folks that are felt it was too raw um, and too honest, and I can I can understand that. I'm, I I say some things that I think make people uncomfortable, and, and uh, at times, and and uh, or even all the time, I don't know. But um, generally speaking, it's folks who are you know from generations before mine, and and um, I think getting that deep and that real sometimes scary because it forces them to confront some of their own stuff. And, um, even if they don't want to, and, and that can be scary. So I, I do get some responses that are less than positive, but by and large, it's, it's been, you know, it's been a pretty great experience. Well, that's great to hear uh, that, that that's been something that's been positive for you um, it, on, on all those levels. and. Sorry, um, I just no dropped worries. my glasses. They fall. They they fall off a lot lately. Um, yeah, bet. <laughs> oh, too funny. Of course, that's going to shake me a little bit. But anyway, um, so one of the one of the things I did want to talk about, Sean, too, because uh, something that you've brought up a couple of times as as a part of your journey, you know, is your relationship with your wife. Um, you've mm -hmm. been married for four, for fourteen years. Is that yep. correct now? I just want to make yeah. sure that we get we we get the year correct because if she hears this and we're off, I don't want any, <laughs> I don't want to cause any 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 tension. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, what? What? <laughs> so we know that there was, you know, obviously sh she had fear over, you know, when you were when you were getting bigger and bigger, like fear of what was going to happen, you know, to you and and to them and and all of that. Like what what. What's changed now? Like, what are, what are things like now in terms of how you communicate around these issues and, and, and what you hear from her? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say overall, much better, um, for sure. But it's not perfect. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the things I've learned throughout this process, too, is that uh, I still operate at times as an addict does, even if I'm not participating in the, the actual substance, um, of my addiction, 
uh, I still sometimes have that response. And, and I, I don't know if you can relate to this, um, but I'm, I have been known to be quick to frustration, quick to anger. Um, my, we, my wife and I went through at the start of this year, uh, we went through a, a, a marriage class called reunion and, um, just, just to kind of focus in, like, you know, on, on, we've been through so much and I, you know, coming out of this life, this sort of half life that I was living and stepping into who I was created to be and, and the life that I, you know, wanted to live. And, and, and it was, a, I think always what Elizabeth wanted but it was a big shock too, because all of a sudden there's parts of me that she hasn't known for years uh, since we were dating. Um, and, uh, the adjustment required for, for her to, um, understand how this new person operates, um, was challenging. And then, um, you know, and then just being married as long as we have with two kids, like we just needed a, a, a some dedicated work on, on our marriage, um, just to, you know, keep it going, basically, you know, keep it going in a positive direction and, um, have it work towards the, the life that we wanted to create. So we did this class 18 weeks. Um, and it was, uh, it was in, you know, pretty intensive class. Um, but one of the things that we talked about was communication and I learned that I'm sort of a, I'm like a black belt in, uh, all sort, all, I think, all sorts of negative ways of communication. Um, I'm an escalator. I was a denier. I was like, I mean, all these things. And I still find myself struggling with those today in defense of my addiction. Um, and, uh, so that's been challenging for sure. Uh, and then, you know, with Elizabeth, she's had built her life around a, an addict, right. And, and built her life around caring for a 400, 500 pound dude. And, and, um, the shadow that you cast when you're that big metaphorically and, and literally, um, allowed her sort of to kind of hide from some of the stuff that she was dealing with. And we'd gone through two traumatic births. I say we, <laughs> because we're, you know, we're a family, but she went through two really traumatic births of our children. There was a lot of, you know, PTSD around those things. There was some of the, the issues that she dealt with with regards to rejection, because as a 400, 500 pound old dude, it's, I can't like take her, uh, you know, vacation easy. I'm not like going for walks, long walks on beaches and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a sense of rejection and, and, and whatnot that she was working through that she was hiding. She was able to hide from sort of the trauma that in my issues basically, because the spotlight and focus was always on me. So, you know, kind of dealing with the, the ramifications of now she's got some stuff that she's working on as well. And so, um, it has not been pretty all the time. Um, but you know, one of the amazing things, uh, about Elizabeth and, and our relationship is that she has always continued to see me, uh, for, for who I am overall. And she's always continued to choose me and, and I, her, and, so we have that as the foundation, um, which is great. And, and just sort of rebuilding all of the pieces that have been broken down and putting them back together now in, in a new, more beautiful way, which is cool. So, so that makes, I kind of ramble sometimes, Gormy. Oh, <laughs> no. That oh, no that's question. A, I don't, I don't think that's rambling at all. I, I think that's okay. something that like, <laughs> I know I, 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 cause I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about is as much as, as like a spouse might want to see a change happen. You know, what happens when that change actually really happens? Like what what happens when that when that new life 
because like you said, like, I, again, like I, I like, you know, the metaphors that you use a lot because you talked about, you know, you know, she was able to kind of hide her issues in the, the shadow of your literal bulk. Like your, there was, there was no taking, you know, when, when a 500 pound dude walks into a room, that's where all the eyes go and none of the eyes go anywhere else. And so, and it doesn't even always mean that it's like this, this conscious hiding or anything along those lines, but it just, you start to be, fall into these patterns with each other. And, and I think, and, and you also, like you asked, like, do I understand when you talk about, you know, quick to anger or quick to get to emotion? Like I've a lot lately been talking to people about the fact that like, I get so emotional so quickly now about things that it, it can sometimes overwhelm me. Like yeah. the, whether, whether it's anger or even sometimes joy or fear or all of those feelings, like, you know, I lived, I, I lived my life saying that I was never an emotional eater. Like that was not my issue. But mm. now what I've really, what I, what's really solidified for me as a reality lately, and I've said this before, but I really mean it is I, I ate constantly. So I kept myself numb constantly. Right. Like I, I, I used that, that constant intake to, to create a barrier that now is not there anymore. And like you right. said, like you, your same coping mechanisms, the same skills you had before, like everything we built up, especially when you've lived a lot, when, you know, when you've lived 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you know, as someone who's morbidly obese, you develop skills and patterns to live that life. Yeah. And then you're living a, uh, and when you're now, you, you start this journey and things start to change, it's like learning to be a new person. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, in a lot of, and, and what I really like that, what, what I, you know, for me has been really important this time around has been not just working on what changes physically, but what changes for me emotionally. And then also how, where is, where does, you know, my, where does my spiritual side fit into all of this? I like for me. That was something that I allowed to go away in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. Like, you know, I, I stepped away from, from the church and from things for a long time because it was easy. You know, when you're not leaving the house a lot, it's easy to step away from things. And it yeah, just, you know, kind sure. of becomes an easier, an easier pattern. And, you know, it, it's been something that I've, I had this spark. Like, I need to, I need to pay more attention to this, this part of my life. And, the more that I do, the more I find that it helps in other areas. So like, I, I think it's, it's is whether and I don't want someone who's listening, who is not someone who has a faith or wants a faith or anything along those lines to say, well, then I could never do this. Like, no, I, I think it's in general about you have to think of yourself as a whole being. And whatever that means for you, you know, do that, you know, what, however yeah. you define that, do that. And don't be afraid to think that, you know, you might need to work on these things that don't seem related to diet and exercise, but are almost as important, you know, when it comes to building your life as a new person, when you're coming, especially coming out of, you know, super morbid obesity. I think there's some very specific pieces to those, that type of journey that is really important because, you know, a lot of our experiences when you're 500 pounds, take you out of the world, you know, make your world smaller, take you out of yeah. real experiences and force you to find new ways to live so that you're not just drowning in regret every day. And yeah. what happens when all those things are gone? You know, I think that's a, that's a big question that sometimes people forget to ask themselves. And I know that's what happened to me when I lost all the weight and I regained it very quickly was because I hadn't put any work into all figuring out who Mike was 
once the, the weight was gone and what that yeah. would mean. And right. uh, so, so Sean, where, uh, where are you now in your journey? Like, where would you, def like, if I were to say, like, kind of make you pull over to the side of the road and explain what's happening for you now, can you, can you bring us up to speed? Cause I also would like to know how, cause you talked about, you know, you, you found, you went on keto and that's become, you know, your diet, kind of your mm -hmm. way of eating. Um, and I also know intermittent fasting has been a part of your life. Like, how have they intersected with the work you've done on your addiction? Yeah, um, it's a great question. So, uh, for sure, keto, um, keto was something that for me, I don't, I don't actually know if, if I don't know, I don't even know why that was the thing that worked um, initially. Um, and even today, like it, it, it was a, I think it was just the vehicle at the time when I started. Um, and I had the support around me who, um, uh, were encouraged me on that, 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 um, made keto successful. I think, you know, with the, with the work I was doing, you know, on, on the, my emotions, uh, the work I was doing on my mental state, sort of the, the, the flip in the outlook to creating my life through positivity, not positivity in the sense that I'm ignoring all things negative, but, but, um, sort of manifesting the life that I wanted to live. Like keto was the vehicle that worked at the time. Could I have done it with paleo? Could I have done it with clean eating? Could I have done it with any of the things? I, I believe absolutely. I happen to really like keto. Um, and uh, especially now having been in it, I really like the way I feel on it differently than, I've, than anything else for me. I think it works great for my body, but I also think it might not be for everybody. So um, I think it just, I, I think choosing it at the time that I did, amplified the results because I was dealing with the other stuff. Intermittent fasting, I feel like actually um, played a much bigger role as it pertains to my addiction than I initially thought it would because I did all of this initially thinking uh, about the weight loss effects. So combining keto and intermittent fasting seemed like a way to uh, amplify uh, the weight loss process. Um, but, what, but what keto did with regards to the you know my addiction to sugar um, and sweet foods, uh, was incredible. But what intermittent fasting taught me as well was that, um, it, it allowed me to sort of exert a modicum of control over food in a way that I'd never been able to do before. Um, because I grew up, like when you wake up, you got to eat, you know, and then when you're sitting, when you're, you know, you've been awake for three hours, you probably should eat again. And then like in the afternoon, like you're starting to get hungry, you should probably eat again. Like I was just always eating, like my perception of what hunger was, my perception of what um, being satiated was, my perception of how you actually feel your body. We're so skewed and intermittent fasting not only gave me that ability to help control my relationship with food better, but it taught me so much more about how to listen to what my body actually needs. And by creating some structure, you know, starting out with, with, uh, with a 16-8 fast um, and then just kind of I really started to use it as a way to test my test my ability, test my what my body's limits were, and I haven't found my limits because I, you know, your body's the human body's pretty incredible. So I've done, I went from a sixteen eight fast to a seventeen seven to a you know to an eighteen six to a, a twenty four, and then to like I did one meal a day. I'm actually I'm doing one meal a day currently, um, and then I. Did duration fast. I did two day. I did a couple three days. I did a five day. I did a ten day, and like each time, I'm finding out how much 
um, just how much my body's capable of and understanding what fuels it as opposed to this idea that I need food to live um, mm. in every, in every moment, obviously we need food to live, but like, I don't need it every three, three hours. I don't need right. sitting, sitting down to watch a ball game. I don't need, you know, like, I don't know if, if does that make sense? Oh, completely, completely. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with the, 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 the keto and, and intermittent fasting is, is sure. They're, ve they're vehicles for me. Will I eat this way forever? I don't know. I can't tell you that with any certainty. What I want, what I can tell you with certainty is I can never go back to eating how I was eating before in terms of the way it controlled my life and the way it medicated my stuff. Um, you know, if I go to Italy, I'm probably going to have a carb again. Cause like, I mean, that's just why punish yourself that hard. I don't know. But, um, a friend of mine said that the other night, like I'm going to eat this way for as long as it takes for, you know, to get, to get into deep lasting recovery essentially. And that's kind of, mm. I think that's, a, I think that's a smart approach. I mean, that's something I've, I've said myself, like I, I work with a coach and I've had the discussion with him, you know, you know, as we're heading towards we're, we'll start working soon on what happens, you know, when I end the relationship with, with him. And also when I move out of like a weight loss phase, like mm -hmm. I, I have to work on building a lot, like living an actual life and, there are going to be moments in that actual life where I make decisions that probably fly in the face of how I know I should be eating. You know, if I'm in Italy and it's, it's time, you know, it's deciding to eat pasta. If I'm, if I'm in Ireland and I want to have a Guinness or like the example I used was, you know, I'm at the base of the Eiffel tower in Paris and there's a bakery there selling croissants. Do I have a croissant or do I keep walking? Like what choices do I make? And I, I think it's, the the mentality is different instead of like looking for those looking for the food experiences but then being mm -hmm. a part of a food experience and realizing i'm never going to have that food experience again in my life you know that might not right. ever happen again so is it worth trying something and and i've got a friend dale who was on the podcast who one of the things that dale does is he he's lost over 300 pounds he's kind of mm -hmm. living in maintenance now and and working more on body composition and those things and yeah. one of the things he said when he was on the show was you know, he, if he determines that something is what he calls worth it, he'll eat the food. But he also is very mindful when he takes that first bite. So it's not just build it up in his head as being worth it. It's take that first bite. Okay, is this actually worth it? If it's worth it, I'll finish it. If it's not, I'm going to have them take it away. You know, I'm going to throw, I'm going to roll it up in a napkin and throw it away. I'm going to, you know, ask the server to take this plate away from me. Like, I, I think there's a mindfulness that as a, someone who deals with a food addiction, like you, I think we all want to work towards that, but we also know that it, it takes work to get to that place. Like it's not something right. that will develop overnight. It's not something that will develop without building up the skills you need to get there. Yeah. So I think you having that, having that mindfulness is really important. So at, something we haven't really said out loud to the folks listening yet, if they're not following you on Instagram, they might not know is that, so now you're you're about 21 months into your your journey of of mm -hmm. sorts that you're on right now and you're down over 200 pounds is that correct? It is, yeah. It is. So yeah. Where does it where does that put you at in terms of how you view what you're doing? Like I know one of the things you talked about in your bio again, you know, is 
achieving optimal health at whatever weight mm. that looks at, you know, whatever that is. Like, yeah. are you in a place right now where you're, are you, are you looking to lose more weight? Are you more, you know, now looking at other markers and if more weight loss comes with that, then great. If not, you're okay with that. Like t take us into where you're at right now, Sean. Yeah. Good call. Um, yeah, I've still got some work to do. So, um, I sort of set out a goal initially, um, to get to 250. Um, and it was sort of an arbitrary number because I didn't, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're big, when you're 500 pounds, you know, it's hard to know what, what optimal health will look like because of, there's a lot of physiological things, right? Your bones get bigger. Uh, you need more blood, you need more water, you know, liquid in your, you know, it's like there's a lot of stuff. So it's hard to measure like what is like, what is 10, what is 15, 20% body fat actually look like? because I don't know what my lean muscle mass and all that kind of stuff's going to be. And so I just kind of threw 250 out there. So I thought, you know, that's like a, I could be okay at 250. And so, um, I still think that's, uh, that's still out there for me. I've got, you know, about 60 pounds probably to get there. Um, and, uh, 50, 60 pounds to get there. And, and I'll just sort of reevaluate at that point. I believe that at, at 250, I won't be done. Um, as far as reaching optimal health where I'm, and it's for me, you know, gone are the days where I, you know, expect to be, um, uh, you know, Baywatch ready or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I'm 40, uh, you know, I want to look good. There is a vanity component for sure. I want to dread, I want to wear the nice clothes. I want to look great. I'd like to take my shirt off and not wonder, uh, what if people's first reaction is to screw their face, you know, like twist their face up in disgust, you know, and even more than that, I want my own face to not be the one of disgust because that's, that's still something that uh, I deal with. So from an optimal health standpoint, like my mental health isn't optimal yet. I still see myself too negatively. I'm still working on the corrective process of changing how I view myself because I am a lot smaller than I was, but I still, I'm still, you know, I'm still obese. I got extra skin. I've got extra fat. Like I've got extra stuff that you know, that is just, I need to, you know, still needs to be let go of. And, uh, at 250, I think I'll probably still have a little bit left, but I think I'll have a better idea of where that destination is. Um, cause at the end of the day, I don't care if I'm 250, 290, 210, as long as the proportion of fat just to, to bones and muscle and all that kind of stuff sort of fits in that, like the box that makes me feel the best, whatever that looks like. I don't, I don't really care as far as the numbers, but, um, that's what I want to get to. Um, uh, I starting to think about as I kind of get closer to that, cause I'm starting to think about normalcy. You kind of mentioned like, you know, your friend, I think his name is Dale and, and you're kind of going mm -hmm. through this is you're reaching the end of the, the weight loss portion of, of your story and, and, you know, trying to think about what normalcy looks like, um, is, top of mind right now and I'm struggling a little bit if I'm honest with like what that looks like does normalcy mean that I get to I get to pick up a, a, a keto pint of ice cream and not have my wife wonder if I'm doing it because I'm stressed out or is it just because I want to have some ice cream like a normal person or does it always mean that I'm going to be like I need to stay you know like my wife needs to be vigilant or like I need to really talk like what your friend Dale was saying too about like looking at that food and, and kind of having a, a mindful approach to what that looks like. Cause that's something 
I've never experienced yet. Even at this, at this process in my journey, I'm still looking at it from, I need, I have more weight to lose. So like, what is normalcy going to look like when I don't have that to do? One of the other things that is going on for me too is, is uh, I'm starting to exercise. So for 21 months, I haven't really exercised in, in a very intentional, like training sort of way. Um, I did a lot of work in a physical therapy office um, because, uh, you know, 500 pounds, I developed some compensating um, features and habits uh, to the way I walked, to the way I carried myself, obviously was putting a crap ton of pressure and, and tor torque and torsion on my joints, especially my knees and my hips and my feet. And, and uh, even what, you know, what's nuts is I've had serious shoulder pain. And I couldn't figure out why I was having such shoulder pain for a while. And then I looked at a picture of myself again and realized like my arms would sit out so far because of the girth of my midsection, they would just rest sort of at a real, at like a, you know, almost like a 45 degree, 35, 45 degree angle out to the side. And now they, they rest comfortably at my sides and the stress that that put on my shoulder joints, like my shoulder caps and all that kind of stuff, the muscles and tendons and ligaments. So like I spent a lot of time repairing and rebuilding and then even like relearning how to take a step in, in proper motion. And so I did a lot of that stuff um, and I'm feeling, you know, knocking on wood, like I'm feeling pretty, pretty biometrically pain-free at this point. Still have little sorenesses here or there. So I'm stepping into exercise and beginning that process of training um, with, with uh, more intention than to, to, you know, to build composition, to build functionality, to, you know, I wouldn't mind being a little bit more athletic again. So all of that stuff is where I'm, where I'm focused currently. And, and to that, to speak to that, cause something I did want to bring up is you've started a new challenge that I know involves I working out, you know, so you've, <laughs> you've, and, and you've started something that I've seen some other, other, other mutual friends that we have and some other people dive into. And I've seen people complete it and change their lives. And it's it's still not something I feel like I can commit to, which, you know, I I, I admittedly feel some shame over at times. But um <laughs> yeah. I I think it's it's kind of incredible. So I wanna I wanna let you let people know what you're doing now. Yeah. Uh it's yeah, I definitely I definitely feel the way you feel. So the the challenge is called 75 hard. And it's um it's a commitment to do 75 days in a row. Uh, there's five components of it. First is whatever nutrition plan is that you're on, keto, paleo, whatever it is, you stick to that for 75 days with no cheat meals. Um, I think actually some folks are doing it with no alcohol either. I'm, I don't know if that's a component for everybody or not, um, but certainly whatever's on, whatever your current nutrition plan is, stick with that, no cheat meals. Number two is workout twice a day, 45 minutes each minimum. And one of those workouts has, has to be outside. Um, so, you know, and we're in October um, and uh, I won't finish this challenge until December 15th. So it's going to get cold and even colder. Um, but I sort of love that aspect of being outside and, and, you know, connecting with, with nature and all that kind of stuff. So that's cool. There's a, there's a personal development component. You need to read 10 pages minimum per day. Um, in a nonfiction personal development book, uh, entrepreneurship, whatever it is, um, 10, at least 10 pages a day. So at the end of 75 days, 750 pages will be read. And that's likely two books, uh, which is really cool. 
um, you need to drink a gallon of water a day, which um, currently uh, I thought, you know, when I was looking, I was like, oh, that'd be easy. I drink that much water every day. Anyway, turns out I don't um, because my bladder's like, my bladder's like, what are you doing? Like I'm at, like, I feel like every two hours, every like 90 minutes I'm getting up to pee um, and uh, <laughs> whatnot. So that's nuts. And then the last thing is, is taking progress picks every day. So at the end of this, there'll be 75 picks of my, of my full body and 75 picks of my face. It'll be interesting just to kind of see what those changes look like. Um, and it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. I think for most folks, it's the, it's the workout twice a day for 45 minutes. That's hard to get in every single day because of scheduling and stuff like that. And, um, I am choosing to go after this from a, uh, which is what I always do from a very uh, rigid perspective for myself. Like I'm going to do it exactly how it's written. I think one of the things that freaks people out is, it, you know, keeps people from doing something like it is the rigidity of the rules. What I say to most folks and what I've said to folks that are in, we have a little, um, you know, Instagram chat group right now. Um, focus on is that it's, it's more about a 75 day commitment to yourself and making a promise to yourself that you keep and, Whatever you do with those 75 days is your business. I'm not here to police you. Um, I'm, and I'm not looking to you to police me. So if you make tweaks to it and you're still making taking 75 days focused on something for you and creating that goal, I'm, I think it's all for it. There might be some folks on here that think that's not correct. Um, but, you know, I'm learning that life is not about a series of boxes we need to fit in. We create our own box create our own life. And, and this challenge for me, I want to follow the path that was laid out. But if you want to forge your own path in the 75 day challenge, do your own thing, man. Like I'm all for that. So that's what I'm doing. I'm three days in. So of course I'm super right. cheaper because <laughs> like I, I haven't done enough, but I, you know, I am pushing myself. I'm been up at five in the morning, which, you know, I, that's not something that's been a consistent in my life. Um, and so I, you know, uh, I find myself, exhausted and going to sleep at 9 30 and i'm a night owl and so i feel i turn 40 i'm peeing every 90 minutes and now i'm going to bed at 9 30 like i like i think i'm going to retirement home next or something is what it feels like but um, i'm excited for what it's going to be like and what you know what these next 75 days bring and sort of the mental fortitude that i think you know some of our friends on instagram um that are talking about i think one of the things they talk about is the mental fortitude that you get um, in believing that you think you know your limits and when you commit to something like this, you can just blow past those and see all the things you're capable of doing. I'm excited for that. Well, that sounds really awesome. And I'm excited to follow you, uh, for the next, we've got, you know, 72 days left. Um, but I, I think it'll be fun to check in with you, you know, in another two to three weeks and say, so how's it going now? You know, where, where yeah. is everything at mentally now? Like, how is it? You know, is it, is it a, has it become routine or is now with a point where it's like the, you know, the bloom is off the rose and, <laughs> right. you know, the, 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 the struggles the coming days. back in. Cause I, I yeah. think that relates a lot to like, you know, especially like a, a long distance, you know, weight loss journey, you know, when you've got a lot of weight to lose, you know, when you're looking at losing over 250 pounds, like, you know, it's very easy to be, especially at the beginning you, and I know, you know, this, like it's, it's very easy to get psyched up in the beginning because weight almost seems like it drops off you know just and then you hit it melt and then you hit a point you know and i know there's people who are like well it's water and you know it's this is happening and inflammation's going down and all this is happening and i i like to say like okay so maybe i did lose 15 pounds of water that first week but that was still 15 pounds of water i was carrying on my body you know it's not 
It's not like it was 15 pounds of water that I picked up and then threw threw off the side of a bridge. Like, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. 15, 15 pounds of water circulating my body. I don't care if it's fat or water. Get the heck out of my body. Okay, get out. Exactly. Um, yep. And and then we hit a point where yeah. things slow down and, you know, things things start to, to become a little more challenging and, you know, you have to stay focused. So what what keeps you focused because uh, I, I just I do want to talk, you know, touch on, you know, the fact that you are, you know, someone that's come a long way and still has a way to go. Like what what helps you stay focused during those times where it does seem like the needle's not moving or, you know, it, it's yeah. getting harder to take those steps forward? Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I'll, the focus is hard sometimes and in, sometimes it's I don't do it very well. Um, and you know, part of the process for me in where I still have room to grow is, is the ability to give myself grace and also to find, um, other things to focus on because there is, you know, I think in a, especially when you're trying to lose as much weight as, uh, as we have lost and are trying to continue to lose and all that kind of stuff, you sort of trade one addiction for another. And there's a, there is that dopamine serotonin, like flood when you hit the scale and you see like for me it was 12.8 or something like that in the first week you know and then the next week it was five i went on i went on a streak for like i feel like it was like 10 plus weeks where it was five pounds every week i just lose it was like clockwork i could tell you i'm gonna lose 20 pounds this month minimum and i would boom five pounds six pounds five pounds six pounds seven pounds five pounds. like it was nuts you started to develop a little bit of a uh, of a high off of that and so when that first started to go away, I struggled with my mindset because I was getting pissed at myself. I'm like, I still have so much, you know. And there's been times when I haven't done well where I got tired and I'm coming out of a period now where I just have been kind of like, you know, I, I need a break. Like I need to, I need to chill out um, and not be so militant about what I'm trying to do. And so step away from the scale for a little while. And that's I think a positive thing and at the same time like it does face it does it for me it you know it uh it's um forced me to refocus and re like reface some of those um old voices that want to tell me like here this is as far as you're gonna go man like so it hasn't always been pretty but I think something like 75 hard for example um I think the reason I had decided to do it wasn't because I was like oh I could do this it was like, I'm scared of this. I'm scared of, I don't think I can get this done. But, you know, I can't look at the scale as my only thing anymore. So I'm going to set a new goal and I'm going to say, I'm going to do this. And it's hard and, and I don't, frankly, I'm three days in. So what it looks like at day 10, I have no idea. But like, I, I want to focus on that because I need to create more than just a weight loss target, especially since at some point that's not going to be a thing for me anymore. And I'm going to need new ways to, um, measure how, uh, how I'm valued, how I, I should say how I value myself. And, um, so it has not been perfect. And, uh, I have been, there have been plenty of times recently where I've been tired where like other things in life happen and sort of wear you down and, and just, you know, trying to keep that, that same intensity has been hard. Um, but I think one of the things I, that one of the areas of growth for me is that I used to just drop the, you know, drop the baton, so to speak, you, you know, 
and not pick it up again until I've gained 150 pounds <laughs> or whatever, um, I've been able to drop, set the baton down and pick it back up. And you know, I'm in that phase now where I'm ready for the next, you know, mar- you know marathon, if you will. And uh, 75 hard is part of that. So. Well, that's awesome, man. I really, I'm excited to see what what happens for you there. Uh, I do have one more thing I wanted to talk to you about. I know we've been talking for a while. Before we before we start to wrap up, I have one more one more question I wanted to raise because yeah. I think you know I just know for me hearing you know your approach to how you kind of got your journey started you know was really just inspirational for me to hear as we were talking over this past hour. I I would want to know like so Sean, if there's someone out there listening. Because I know there are people out there listening, you know, men and women, but, you know, men specifically are coming to the Fat Guy Forum looking to kind of learn from the experiences of other men. Uh, Someone who's in that, you know, 500 pounds, 450 pounds. I mean, I talk to guys almost every day who are 600 pounds and don't know how to get started. What is your, and you know, so someone who's out there, the listener, 500 pounds, dealing with a food addiction and cognizant that that's something they're dealing with. You know, what is your advice on what they should do to get started? Like how, because I often tell people, you know, get started. You need to get start, figure it out and get started. But what is your advice on on the on an approach for people to get started? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Um, I would say, I mean, I, I think I aligned. So the, the first thing is I, I will say start. Um, so three, my, my Instagram handle is start.persevere.hope. Um, it 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 is um it is actually uh my initials are sph and a friend of mine helped me come up with this instagram handle handle as we were kind of talking through what i wanted my journey to be about and i think the hardest thing for anyone to do ever whether you're climbing a mountain starting a race doing 75 days of insane commitment to yourself whatever it is that taking that first step is always going to be the most difficult thing so um I'm with you in saying that you, you got to take the first step, the how, um, I think you got to start by being pretty real and honest with yourself first, um, about why you're doing, like, why do you want to do this? Um, what's your goal? Because it, because I think for me, one of the things that changed was my goal. My goal wasn't when I changed my goal from being, I just want to be skinny. I just want to look like the people that I think have great lives it became about something more than that for me. It was something that I could lean onto when I was feeling like I really wanted to eat food that I shouldn't, you know, like, or I really wanted to quit or I really wanted to, you know, give up or whatever. Be real with yourself about why you want to do this. Because I think when folks do that, um, I think they're going to find out that there's a lot more going on that they've been numbing for a while. But I think you can find that piece that, or at least a part of that piece that that can help drive you forward. And then remember that because I, I don't honestly, I've seen this quote in so many different ways. I've heard, I've seen it attributed to so many different people. So I don't know who it's attributed to honestly. Um, but someone said that, that discipline is the difference between what you want and what you want most. And when I made the choice to um, go after uh, my mental emotional uh, stuff, when I made the choice to go after my nutrition, it became something where I stopped telling myself I didn't want donuts or I didn't want the comfort of sitting on my couch eating a pizza or two or whatever. Like I didn't start by telling myself that I 
don't want those things because that's not true. I wanted those things. But what I wanted more was I wanted to dance with my daughter at her wedding. I wanted to take my wife um, dancing. I wanted to go wrestle with my kid and my son and run around. And I wanted to coach his baseball team. Like I started thinking of all these things that I wanted to do in life that I wasn't doing. And those became the things that were more important than whatever the food that was in front of me. And that changed everything for me. I don't know if it will for other folks. I don't know if that resonates with you, but that would be my uh, advice. No, I think that's, that's some perfect advice right there, Sean. So I, I definitely thank you for that and appreciate it. So Sean, be, I do have a little bit of a closing piece that I do. I've got some rapid fire questions we do, but before yeah. we get to that, <coughs> excuse me. Um, is there anything else we didn't get to talk about today or anything else you want to say that we didn't get a chance to get into? Probably. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure there is. Um, it's funny because uh, yeah. I remember I, I was I was listening to you on the I think it was last week or the week before on Radix and they asked the same question at the end. And, and you that's what you said. Uh, exactly. You know, yeah, there's probably something else I want. To, there, there is probably so I'm going to I'm going to listen to this later and be like, oh, I should have talked about that. I should have talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I will say this short, briefly. The message that, you know, and it sort of, it sort of goes along with, um, it sort of goes along with radical honesty, right? I think, um, I think, I don't know if it's humans, if it's Americans or men or whatever, we, um, uh, I, I think we shy away from vulnerability. We shy away from honesty because it feels like weakness. Um, when you admit that you're not perfect, when you admit that you're not always strong or, whatever. Um, but I think that that's not true. And I think there's a lot, I'm not, this isn't revolutionary thought, but I just want to share it that I think the, the strongest thing you can do is be real about what's going on and admitting that you don't have it all together. Um, admitting that you struggle, um, and share stuff that may seem embarrassing because you think you're the only person dealing with it or that people are going to ridicule you or whatever. But I think for your own lives, that is incredibly powerful. Um, but I think it's incredibly powerful for other folks. And I think it goes way beyond addiction. I think it goes way beyond obesity. Um, I think it gets into uh, life. And you look at things right now, whatever side of you fall on the political fence, whatever side you fall on a religious bent or whatever, we are so focused on wanting to be right and having everything fit into um, the exact thing that uh, we think it should be, that we lose sight of who the humans are. We lose sight of uh, sort of uh, the common struggles and the common things that we deal with. And um, I think the more we focus in on the fact that we got our own stuff that we're dealing with, just like they have their own stuff they're dealing with, we can find a lot more commonality than we do differences. And I think we're better together than we are apart. So, um, and, I, and I believe that in, in all uh, walks of life. Uh, so, anyway. We could talk about that for a long time because I have got lots of thoughts. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, and I, stuff, I would stuff. love, you know, I'd love it. You know, let's let let let's bring you back someday to talk about that too. Like let's yeah. let's let's come back. I would love to have you come back um, in 75 days or you know 72 more days, you know, yeah. and talk about talk about the end of of 75 hard and what what your lessons learned there are because I'm sure there's going to be plenty regardless of where you're at then. So I, yeah. I think that's love some it, some man. really some really exciting stuff you've got going on, Sean. So 
Uh, we're the one, the last segment here on the Fat Guy Forum now is something I call the Fat Guy Five. It's five mm. questions that I'm going to throw at you, rapid fire style. Um, just get your answers to those, and then we'll talk a little bit about how people can connect with you. Sound good? Sounds great, man. Let's do this. Okay. So first, living or dead, living or dead, tell me who is your favorite fat guy? Oh, Chris Farley. Mm. Sad that he's, he's gone. Good choice. Definitely. I think he's someone that stands out to a lot of guys, you know, especially guys like in our age range, you know, as, mm, as someone mm -hmm. that's, you know, that he, he, he lived his, he lived his life big in a lot of different ways. Uh, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, John Candy would, John Candy would be a close second probably. Yeah. John is mine. I would say he's one of mine. Uh, I'm a oh, little yeah. bit older than you though. I, I'm a little bit older though. Um, <laughs> question, question number two, we didn't actually get to talk too much about this, but when thinking back to thinking back to when you were in, in your bigger days, Sean, what was your quintessential fat guy meal? Oh gosh. It was something Italian pizza or pasta hundred percent. Cause you could just, I mean, you know, could house an entire pizza or two and eat entire packages of spaghetti. And I just loved I just love that stuff. I'd still love it today if I was eating it. So, oh yeah, oh that, yeah. And maybe popcorn. I may add popcorn to that list too. Uh, <laughs> I was having that discussion with someone the other day. Like they were saying, like they're as you know, they've been keto for years. The only thing they still miss is popcorn. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm popcorn. like, well, have you have you tried? Have you tried? They're like, nothing will ever take the place of popcorn. Like it's, <laughs> it's so true. It's, it's it's something that's in and of itself, you know. A, a unique experience um i say that yeah. as someone who's going to going to disneyland next week where they pump the smell of popcorn into the streets to get you to buy it so i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna face that struggle <laughs> for sure my thought my thoughts are with you my friend <laughs> oh i i appreciate i appreciate that the next question you you've actually kind of i think you've kind of answered this one already but if this if there's a, a bullet point you want to put on this what is your one biggest tip to other big guys out there who want to make change? Yeah, I mean, I would, I think I would just reiterate um, the, 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 dude, be real, be real with the, what's going on. You know, don't try and band-aid it with a diet. Be real with what's going on and find the things to focus on. Great way to put it. Great way to put it. Number four. What book, podcast, or other resource would you suggest to someone who needs motivation? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, well, I mean, besides this one, obviously, uh, the Fat Guy Forum. Um, I, you know, I actually really like um, Brooke Castillo is a life coach, and she has a podcast called The Life Coach School. Um, they're pretty, like, digestible 20 to 30-minute episodes and uh, really applicable. So that would be like a inspirational, like, um, listen to that one. And then I'm a big Great. fan of the armchair expert. So if you want a fun mm. one with Dak, with Dak Shepard, that's a good one too. Great. And, and lastly, Sean, tell us one of your non weight loss or fitness related goals for the next year. Oh yeah. Oh man. Let's see why, well, um, I would really like, to uh i'm a big fan of dressing up for like cos mm. like cos cosplay or whatever uh oh yeah and i saw you get dressed term... up for your birthday this year yeah 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 yeah. that was yeah. super fun it was a bit of 20s party 
I, I want to rock a Captain. I want to put on a Captain America outfit and not feel super self conscious about it. I want to feel pretty good about it. So um, nice, that's, nice. Uh, that's that's on that's on my list. So um, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, well, we'll look forward to seeing that show up eventually. And if people do want to see where you'll post pictures of that, Sean, how how can <laughs> listeners of the Fat Guy Forum get in touch with you? How can they find you? Yeah, Instagram is is the place to be for now. Um, eventually, I will have some additional um, additional places to uh, engage with folks. But for now, Instagram is is where I'm at, and you can find me at start hope. Well, thank you so much again, Sean. I really appreciate your time today and for sharing your experiences and perspectives with the listeners of the Fat Guy Forum. I hope that people will will track you down just because I, I think there's a lot that you're sharing that they, they can learn from. So again, just just thank you so much for, for being here today. And I, I wish you luck these next 72 days. Like I'm, I'm really excited yeah. to see what happens for you. I appreciate the time, awesome. man. I thank you so much for the invite. So I look forward to coming back. Definitely, definitely. So this has been another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. I'm your host, Gourmet. You can find me on the Instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. You can find me on Twitter at gourmet goes keto, or you can also email the show at thefatguyforum.com. As I recently announced, I have also got my blog started at gourmetgoesketo.com. So be sure to check that out when you get a chance. Thank you again so much, everybody. And I remind you to do something today to amaze yourself because you are amazing people. Thanks, y'all.